Welcome to the Leading Ladies Podcast with international leadership coach, speaker, author, trainer, and your host, Fiona Mackay. The Leading Ladies Podcast shares stories and advice from women around the world who have successfully navigated the glass ceiling. You'll gain powerful insights into strategies for cracking the glass ceiling, embracing your self-worth and value, and advocating for yourself and others. So please join Fiona for frank, courageous, and heartfelt conversations designed to take you on a journey to new levels of personal and professional success. Welcome back, leading ladies and male allies. It is actually a gloomy Saturday here in Seattle where I am sitting right now, but I'm not feeling gloomy because today I have two amazing guests with me. I have Matt Heger, who's been with me as a co-host for the last few podcasts. He's the founder of new space startup, Pineapple Empire, as well as the creative force behind the top women in aviation and aerospace to follow on LinkedIn. And today we're interviewing one of the amazing women from that list, Bianca Cefalo. She's a self-proclaimed tech nerd, a rocket scientist, a feminist, a STEM advocate, and much, much more. She's currently the director at Space Startup Carbice, while at the same time, she's been busy founding her own company, Space Dots Limited. She's worked with NASA on the Inside Space Mars mission, as well as with or for various space companies, moving across Europe and currently residing in the UK. Bianca is a leading lady that likes to challenge the system. And her LinkedIn cover photo states, rocket scientists looking like our daughters will become the norm. She sounds like a woman after my own heart. And I can't wait to have our conversation today around not letting labels define you. Welcome, Bianca. Hello, everyone. Hi, Fiona and Matt. I'm really happy to be with you. And I'm giving you some very hot, steamy summer from the south of Italy, where I am at the moment. So you don't feel gloomy anymore. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are my first guest from that. Who's that? That I'm interviewing from Italy. I love it. I love it. And yeah, Matt, you're in sunny California. Yeah, you can have some of my sunlight too. We've got more than enough of it. Please take some of it, please. It's a little too hot right now. I spent all the late yesterday napping because it was just so hot. So well, uh, here in Seattle, it's been raining for, it's not been raining. It's actually been no rain for a month now. So everything is just parched. And so I'm quite happy for a gloomy day because we don't have AC here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. And I yeah. love having Bianca here from Italy. It's our first one uh, internationally. So this is pretty exciting. It is, it is. <clears throat> so Bianca, the first question that I always ask on every podcast is what do you think about the glass ceiling? In your experience, does it still exist? Um, I do believe they exist. And um, I do believe they exist mostly in the way we want to approach our career, especially in a male-dominated environment, like it could be aerospace, aviation, and the space, or more generally the tech industry. Uh, they exist, especially if we talk about age. For instance, um, I, if I started in Italy, probably I wouldn't have gotten where I am at my age because I'm a millennial, basically. And so it really depends on where you're coming from, uh, what is the path that you want to choose, and how you want to approach the obstacles that you have on your way. They exist, but they can be broken, all of them. 
Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean about moving around. Um, I've had very different experiences with the glass ceiling uh, in the UK versus the US. Some quite unexpected, um, but like you, they don't have to hold me back. <laughs> so no. it sounds like you're somebody who's actually broken through the glass ceiling. When did you first realize you'd broken through it? Uh, well, first of all, I think I've broken the glass ceiling that was more of a generational glass ceiling because I'm coming from my background uh, was absolutely non-tech. Um, uh, I'm the first gen graduate uh, coming from um, very financial problematic, dysfunctional family and <laughs> nobody, and you, you might not believe that the south of Italy is still quite conservative. I mean, it was when I started studying engineering, especially aerospace engineering. So I think that the first boundaries or labels that have broken or I've shattered was around where I was coming from, what I wanted to do and how masculine that was. I didn't care about anything. Thing. I didn't care about financial problems, about working in the afternoon, studying in the evening. I didn't care about moving around when I was 23. Uh, actually, I think the first one I've broken was that in 2008, we almost were homeless, literally, with my family. Five years later, I was chosen amongst the only woman European to work on the NASA JPL Inside Mars mission for an instrument that was developed in Germany by an SME working for the German Space Agency. So I think that was really the first one. I was super young, I was 23. I had no idea if someone would have told me in 2008, oh my God, you're gonna be homeless, but hey, you're gonna work for NASA. I wouldn't have believed it. So I think that was the first one really that I've reached. And then I moved on to more managerial places and now founding my startup, still in my early thirties. And again, that's something that coming from my backgrounds where the mindset of people are still kind of holding women back. Uh, all of those, let's say the steps have been breaking some houses down for me, <laughs> not only ceilings. <laughs> I love that. I love that because that's one of the things in this podcast. Before you can break society's glass ceilings, you've got to break your own. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And thank you for sharing that story. I'm going to have to uh, introduce you to Weetran. She's the director of aeronautics at NASA. She was actually uh -huh. um, one of the boat people that came from Vietnam and worked her way up to, to that position. I think uh, you guys would really get along. Nice. Um, I loved what you were saying around the, the, the other glass ceilings, the, the financial and, and generational glass ceilings. Matt, do you have any thoughts on those? Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about that as you were saying that too, because that's where a lot of my experience with the glass ceilings comes in and where I can kind of relate to, you know, um, listeners of this podcast that have heard my episode, which would have been a few weeks back already, would know that, you know, I come back, you know, I come from a strong, my background has a lot of strong women in it. My mom, my aunt, my, my sisters, like I'm just surrounded by it. So like I'm empathetic and sympathetic to the cause and everything. I'm a feminist myself, so I get it. But personally, individually, how do I experience it? Um, I'm wakening up to maybe some racial things, but just other things I've just, I don't know what they are yet. Like I'm at a company now that uh, I'm, is really difficult to get some upward growth in for some reason, not quite sure why, um, based on first principles thinking or some reasoning. And that might just be me being logical, but there are definitely like these weird ceilings or like barriers to entry or to like going forward when you know you can totally do something. So um, 
it is, you know, nice to, and I, I've had some of the financial stuff too. Like my family isn't from a, from, uh, from like an engineering background. My dad's mechanic at United. So there's the aviation and aerospace, but space, that's a whole, that's a whole different thing. Nobody, nobody thinks that's a real thing. And it's a, it's still a joke to my family. But what I love, Matt, is that, you know, you're working for this, this, this big, well-known company and, you know, the, you're, you're, in, you're encountering some glass ceilings, but you're setting out there with your own startup so that, you know, if you're running your own company, eventually the only glass ceilings that you're going to have are going to be the ones that you set for yourself. And uh, hopefully uh, people like me and Bianca will call you out on those and help you uh, take a sledgehammer to them. And you know what? Sometimes or a lot of times that is my least favorite glass ceiling is my own limitations and self-limiting beliefs is the ones that I put on myself. So for sure. Beautiful. Well, Bianca, today, the topic that you came to me with, because usually I uh, set the title, but I just loved yours so much. I was like, I'm going with that, <laughs> is don't let labels define you. Oh, just loved it. So why did you choose this topic? Um, I chose the topic exactly for probably the, you know, what we've been discussing now was an intro to that. Uh, because again, I think most of the, the, the boundaries or the limitations, I think all of the limitations we have our, uh, are in our own head, really. Um, and again, I, I used labels as, as a very specific word because I've been going through different labeling since I was a child. Then growing up again, growing up in a in a very rough environment, uh, it was my childhood wasn't easy at all. Uh, since I was five years old, there were many rough things happening in my family and around me. So I had to learn since a very very young age that life wasn't a fairy tale. <laughs> I just had to be an adult since I was a child, and uh, that was that really gave me a scar tissue against all the possible stereotypes, labels that people put on you. But that also was, in a sense, because everybody around from the, the larger family to, let's say, the neighbors or whatever, the, the settings where I was living, they were labeling me as part of this dysfunctional family. As a consequence, I had to unlearn and rewire my brain thinking that, hey, this is not my story. Not because, you know, this happened to me or we've been unlucky with the business and whatever and so on and so forth. This is not going to be my story forever. So I had to work on all the labels as I was moving throughout my, my life from when I was a very young child and I loved studying. So I was a nerd. I was a proper nerd. Then I was bullied for whatever reason, because I wasn't financially, you know, very, very wealthy as most of the people around me. And also because I was a nerd. And then when I moved on to growing up, I became a pretty you know, the, the usual pretty lady that's here was like, oh, well, you can find the rich husband and usually pretty lazy ladies don't go into engineering. Anytime there was a stage in my life, there was a label put on myself from wherever else, from people that had no idea what they were talking about. So I had to work through all of them. Then there were other labels, again, in a very, very male dominant industry. I moved from Italy when I was 23, I went to Germany, I had no idea about what I was going to do. Then I moved on to the UK and US. So all of those labels have really, really come to my mind as we don't, we don't need them. <laughs> we don't need to think of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, 
I just love some of the stuff that you're sharing there. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us. It's uh, it's beautiful. Um, I, I know what it's like to to be bullied for being smart and stuff. And um, I just, I loved, loved, loved what you said about um, you've actually used some of the scar tissue that you developed. And you said, okay, this has been my story so far, but it's not going to be my story forever. You know, it can... Because and that's the thing, our story can be this bad stuff happened to me. I'm such a victim, or it can be like this mm. stuff happened to me and it sucked. But I use that to fuel me, and oh, I almost, I almost want to cry listening to your story because I just <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm like, I love this woman because I, I love it. I love people that say my circumstances don't need to hold me back. Um, at the very start of my career, I actually taught in in a very, very rough school in inner city London. And sometimes people there would label the kids and say, you know, you'll come to nothing. And there was this one kid who, he was naughty, but he was amazing. And, and I said to him, you know, you could make it to Oxford or Cambridge. And he laughed at me and the other teachers laughed. And guess what? 10 years later, I get a LinkedIn message from him saying, Aww. I've just graduated from Cambridge and I've got a job with an investment bank and I was a boxer for the university. And thank you, the first person that told me. And I was just like... <gasps> Oh my God, I'm so happy. Oh, it's like so tears. And, and, and it, it's, it's, you, you're right. You know, people that don't come from, um, you know, these, 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 you know, super functional wealthy families, although I don't know many wealthy families that are super functional. Um, you know, everybody <laughs> seems to go on to great things. And if you're not from that, people put labels on you. Anyway, I'm getting carried away here. I'm getting so emotional. Yeah. But I just, I just, I just love, love, love that story because it doesn't matter where you're born or what you come mm. from. It might take you longer to get there. You may have hurdles to more hurdles to climb, but you can get there. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, this, yeah. That, that's really, you know, well, I, I think also what we represent here, uh, we are all very different, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not, you don't have to look like, somebody or something to be there you don't have to be as old or as young or as functional or as whatever you know all of these things are coming from people that have never done what you want to do so why would you listen to them anyway <laughs> i love that i love that yeah the naysayers just just pulling you back it's like well if you've never experienced it how would you know um i'm actually listening to a song right now by katie perry and uh -huh. i think it's called daisies something like that and um she talks about well, it might be one in 7 million, but why can't it be me? And so every time I start to doubt myself, I just like, you know, mentally punch myself in the head and say, well, why can't it be me? It doesn't matter. It can be me if I want it to be. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to have to look that song up because I'm usually a pretty big Katy Perry fan and I've not heard that one. So I'm going to have to go listen to that one. Well, I'm but all into the female empowerment music right now. So um uh, Amazon, iTunes, whatever it's called, um, keeps uh, sending me recommendations. So it's wonderful. <laughs> well, that makes sense. And totally ties into our thing the past few weeks as well as just like, there's nothing to lose. Just go out there and do it. Um, because I mean, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, if you don't have haters, you're, I mean, if you have haters, you're probably doing something right. Oh yeah. yeah. Doing something. Haters don't hate on losers. Remember that everybody, haters don't hate on losers. So if you're not upsetting somebody, you're not trying hard enough. Childish Gambino has one that goes uh, along the lines of, don't be mad at me because I'm doing me better than you're doing you. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of it is. It's kind of like that jealousy because we're out there, we're doing something that is, you know, we talk about it, it's courage. Um, and 
you know, putting ourselves out there and being uncomfortable and breaking boundaries and the glass ceilings, um, which is scary and terrifying and not a lot of people do it. So then other people who yeah. aren't as courageous or haven't hit that point yet, they are, you know, just a little intimidated or jealous that we've done it for them. Yeah. Then it reflects poorly at that point. I was actually inspired by uh, Reshma Shajani. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but she's the founder of Girls Who Code. And she was actually speaking at a conference that I was at. And she said, you know, rather than envying people for what they have, you know, go after and get what you want. And I was sitting there and I'd just been thinking to myself, I wish I was standing on the stage talking like she was. I've got some good stuff to say. Um, and so I was like, you know what? She's absolutely right. Why am I sitting here envying this woman? You know, I'll go build my own stage. Uh, I was chatting to her and she was lovely. And, and I just love that. If you feel that envy, it means you want some of that. So go after it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think we all experience this kind of comparison with everybody. But then again, because I had to learn everything from, you know, minus scratch, not even scratch since I was young. Any time I would see somebody who was who I thought was better than me or had more or would know more. I wasn't hating on them. I was like, OK, I love something with that, that they have. I want to have it, too. So I'm going to ask them how they did it. So, you know, this is how you learn. And uh, I admire them. And still, this is what I do even now. Now, having started my startup, I go after to all the CEOs that I admire. Women, men, non-binary, who cares? You know, that's just uh, gender is, is, is irrelevant. And I'm like, okay, I love what you've done, how you did it. And that's probably the greatest thing we can do. Again, going around the labels, even if you've been in the industry for 10, 20, 30 years, there is something that you have to learn. So having that beginning, beginner mindset all the time puts your ego aside and lets you really learn from people that have done it without envy, possibly. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I'd like to take a moment to pause and recognize GM Defense our sponsor that helps make this podcast possible. GM Defence is driving the future of military mobility by leveraging the best-in-class capabilities of General Motors for unmatched innovation, proven performance, and breakthrough lifecycle economics. Learn more at www.gmdefencellc.com. And watch out for new job posts as they expand and strengthen their team. You can also follow them on Twitter and LinkedIn. The GM Defense team is amazing. And we are proud that they sponsor the Leading Ladies of podcast. And back to today's guest. So you've mentioned a few times about, about your career and you actually had a fascinating career and uh, it's only just getting started. I really, really want to hear more about it because I know our listeners will be fascinated and I want to know more about your career and maybe some of the labels that you've had to overcome along the way. Right, so, uh, okay, as um, I've basically studied aerospace and astronautical engineering. So, and um, I specialized in something that at the time, again, was labeled as very niche, which is aerothermal fluid dynamics for a hypersonic reentry capsule. It is very niche. It was very, very niche at the time, but I, I just loved it. And I said, okay, I'm going to go and do it and specialize into this thing. And I'm going to be an expert. This was help. This is exactly what helped me getting hired by this company in Germany for the NASA Space um, Inside Mars mission, which I was the youngest again. Uh, I had just 
finished my university and that was my very first project so I was like okay so as a first project they just need someone who has exactly my my CV which everybody labeled as too niche you're not going to do anything with this too competitive blah 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 and they've chosen me so that was the first label I was oh, you see I was good with the niche then I went and working for the uh, HP Cube, it's called the instrument that was developed by the German Space Agency. And then when that project was over and it was meant to be six to eight months, then I was renewed the contract in Germany. So I moved on to thermal engineering, working on the simulation of multiple ESA and uh, European Commission programs from CubeSats to bigger telecommunication spacecraft, so on everything from R&D, management, uh, lab assessment. Um, it was a pretty much like five full years of hands-on experience from really designing to simulating to testing to seeing on orbit to downloading the data when they did the, 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 the CubeSats or the satellites were on orbit. So it was an end-to-end -end learning of how a space system was working. And then I just was, I had enough of Germany, of Berlin, of uh, I had learned everything that I thought I needed to learn. And I realized also, I'm not gonna be a, just an analyst all the time. I'm a people person. I need to speak to people. I need to be on a stage. I don't wanna be in the lab forever. So I moved on to Airbus Defense in Space. And um, that was again, another, for me, glass ceiling, let's say, because I was at the time uh, under 30 and I was the only woman non-British, under 30, sitting in a boardroom of 50, usually men over 50 guys. <laughs> and when I was sitting there, and it was after two weeks, I started as, as a thermal product manager on telecommunication spacecraft, huge programs. I was sitting there, I was looking around, I was like, okay, I'm very proud to be here for the entire humanoid. Where are the others? Where are all of them? Why am I the only one who is under 30 woman here? What's going on? And that really snapped something in my brain where I said, okay, besides, <laughs> sorry, besides working on, you know, moving my myself around in a, in a professionally going through the ladder however we want to call it you know being so successful in what i do i need to help more women and girls that are like me that look like me and they don't look like you know mr einstein out there to understand that they can be here that they can wear whatever they want they can wear red lipstick and sitting in a boardroom deciding about the future of space exploration and and so there, when I stayed at Airbus Defense Space for three years and something, and then I realized that throughout my consulting, which I started last year, a lot of STEM, I was going to all the girls' schools in North London, where I was living at the time, and all of them were, I really learned from them. I learned what the girls wanted, what they wanted to hear, and all of them would come to me saying, oh my God, I'm so grateful you've come here, because so far, every Everybody would come as a STEM ambassador. They looked like my grandfather. They didn't yeah. speak like us. <laughs> and <laughs> they were like, how am I supposed to be even fascinated by this topic? If all of you look like my granddad trying to sell me a ticket to something, I don't even understand why. What is my role into that? That made me understand even more how much work there was to do, how much wasn't done. And... Um, so 
in parallel, I was transitioning anyway from the corporation to the world of startups. And uh, I decided I needed to speak more, move on to my own startup and really show to myself and everybody out there that you can be a CEO in the space industry without looking like the average men out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love that you're also challenging um, the looks stereotypes. I guess, uh, you know, hands up here. So in my career, um, I, I, I spent time watching the people that were at the top and making sure that I dressed like them. I always put my hair up. I always wore my glasses, um, tried to look conservative because I knew that way um, I would be more accepted. And so I think it's really beautiful what you're saying about not only breaking the barriers of being a woman, it's almost like you, you don't mind saying it's good. It's okay to be a feminine woman as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was kind of intoxicated, literally, by the whole corporation culture. Because as much as you want to be yourself, as much as you express yourself and you help others, again, it is irrespective of genders. There are most of my friends and now co-founders who are men, and they didn't fit into that kind of, you know, uh, office stereotype. As much as you want to be that, the majority is like them. Um, and I didn't like it also because uh, I am a person who doesn't care about opinions, but there are many other women or many other minorities also in terms of religion, cultural, ethnic or whatever, uh, sexual, who, who can suffer out of that opinions. It's still there. It's still unspoken. Not many people speak up. I was extremely intoxicated. And I think the tipping point was when the Black Lives Matters happened. I mean, the whole movement happened. I spoke with a couple of people, HR from, you know, those big corporations. I didn't hear anything back from them. Nothing, not a statement, not a word. When everybody was putting out their statements and people of my team were black men. And I was like, how are you even kind of preaching that you accept, you, you nurture all this diversity and cultures if you're not even stating anything about everything that's happening? So I said, I don't like this. It's yeah. not my words. A part of my role with, uh, you know, leading ladies of aerospace and leading ladies of defense, a lot of people will come to me with stories of what's happening. And obviously I'm not going to name those companies, but you see they've got these initiatives, these statements that they're putting out there and you hear these stories and you're like, oh my goodness. You know, they're saying one thing, yeah. These behaviors are happening and how do you expose that without being labeled a troublemaker? It's hard. And, and I personally think that's why people like us are in a way breaking free and doing our own thing because it's very, very difficult to, to take on when you're in a company. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. And uh, when you're out, you can really attract your tribe. Uh, oh, yeah. And it may sound super spiritual hoo-hoo out there, but it's true. Um, mm -hmm. When you Now, when I moved to, to Carbus, which is a Black-owned business, it's super cool. Actually, I met the CEO when I was working at Airbus, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the kind of leadership I love. 
and actually yeah. came around last year and offered me a job as they are expanding. And I was, this is what I want to see. I want to see the actual diversity. I want to see people who actually care, who actually make me feel, and I make them feel part of a mission that makes sense to us. It's not yeah. just, okay, nine to five, we are paying our bills and who cares? So we are working in an industry that is shaping the future generations, how they will work, how how are we possibly meant to just check in, check out and not care about what's happening around us? So yeah, it's much better to, to build your own culture environment rather than changing something that has been there for hundreds of years, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But what would your advice be to people that are in these companies? Because not everybody has the entrepreneurial spirit or the set of circumstances that allows them to, to go do their own thing. So what... What advice? We, we see that companies are, are doing a lot right now. Um, you know, I saw that Airbus is 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 publishing its diversity statistics and it's um, it, the, the the gender pay gap, how they're addressing that. There's a lot of companies doing stuff. Some are, some aren't. So if you're in those companies and 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 you you're wanting to you know express yourself, make change, what advice do you have? Um, I'll advise everyone, first of all, to speak up anytime they see or they hear something that isn't looking right. And um, this is what I used to do. And to be honest, I made a change, at least in where I was or the people I was working with. Because when I left, they actually told me, you always stood your ground and our ground. We felt protected and accepted in your team more than was ever done before, which made me cry (laughs) when I left. Uh, but I would say speak up, really. If there is something that you feel is sexist, something that you feel is racist, something that is just out, out, outrageous to you in this modern world, speak up and make your voice heard. And sometimes this is difficult because obviously you, you fear retaliation and everything else. But if you do, and then the other person, the, the, all the other people around you start saying, okay, it's possible, I can do it too. A much bigger movement of speaking up rather than you know passing by is gonna change something. And it's making your office or virtual office life much more peaceful and your work more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. It's, uh, it's scary to speak up, um, but it's it's needed. And you might speak up and the change might not happen while you're still there, but it, it may well happen once you've moved on. So I love that. Yeah, yeah. same here. I completely yeah. agree. It's I mean, it's leadership at its core is being that person who does speak up and say that thing. Um, what I always think about is um, I think a lot of people won't speak up because they're thinking, oh, it's just me. It's, it's, it's not affecting other people or everybody else is okay with this. But what I got from my calculus teacher back in the day is he told me, he was like, if you have that question, there's probably five other people that have that question. So please speak up yeah. so that those other five people can be represented, which there's so much to touch on with everything that you just said here. And I know we got to wrap up soon. and can't take too much more time. So I'd love to speak to you some more sometime as well, mm-hmm. but I think it was really important what you said about like having that representation and seeing somebody who looks like you, not just that old grandfather, like asking you, oh yeah, Sam loves women, but here we I am (laughs) out there Um, because it's actually so powerful. I mean, I started hearing about representation a few years ago, right? Maybe, maybe about 10 years ago, like it started like becoming a kind of topic in the social media sphere. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's important, but I didn't realize how important until I started seeing myself being represented 
um, I started seeing more Asian actors on movies and televisions mm-hmm. or in just different spaces. And when I saw it, there was like, it's such a weird feeling. You get that tingle and you're like, Hey, that's me. That's my culture. That's my thing. And I was just kind of taken back by how powerful that is. So that is incredibly important to like, see, you know, people who look like you in the spaces that you want to be in. So kudos to you again on that. That's a, you're doing, you're doing some powerful work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, as Matt said, I have, I've been discovering the magic number for a podcast, which is really hard because so many of my guests, I could talk to them for six hours. Um, but I, as we will, uh, as we will, we are, we are hitting the 30 minute mark, which is apparently the, the point where people start switching off. Although I can't imagine anyone wanting to switch off from this interview. So as Matt mentioned, we are coming up on time here shortly, as I've been discovering with my podcast that 30 is the magic number. Although with most of my guests, I could talk with them all day long. But we would be remiss if uh, we if we didn't ask a question about space, since we do have two space startup founders sitting here. So uh, Matt, I'm going to hand this over to you since you are, are the resident space expert. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, always happy to field the space questions. Um, it's probably, it's my basic go-to um, is anybody who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with getting to space and going beyond that. Um, so trying to currently crowdsource and crowdfund a project to, you know, get to Mars. So Yanka, as you an entrepreneur and a woman and been in the field a lot longer than I have, if you were trying to put together a, the first human crew to Mars and make it all women, how would you go about it? Like, what's the next step that needs to be done? Like if you were starting today. And that is a label to break all, all female all space women. crew. We've had plenty of all men. So I love that question. Yeah, by the way, that's funny because this is what they they are thinking to do because women are lighter and more flexible and more, uh, you know, adaptable to a longer journey in isolation. Uh, I think that I will ask them, first of all, how would they want to live into that isolation? So my very first basic thing is to design that space and the suits and the environment for them. So they need to tell me how they like it instead of me just imposing to them what they are are supposed to do with the rest of their life on Mars. God, awesome. That's great wow. feedback right there. I'm going to lock that away for uh, a <laughs> No, so I love that answer. Start with the environment first. Oh, no, there's, there's, there's a great book by Barbara Annis called Gender Intelligence. And it mm-hmm. talks about how some of the biggest challenges we face in industry is that the environment, the processes, the tools, the systems that were all designed in the industrial revolution when it was mostly men. And if you want equality, if you want true diversity, equality and inclusion, it's not about forcing people to be a certain way. It's about creating the environment where everybody can thrive. So that yeah. is, is a beautiful answer. Yeah, Thank I love you. that. Um, yeah. Start with the, I mean, it goes back to basic design principles for me, like design for like the, around the specific problem, not like creating a problem and then designing things to make that fit. So Bianca, before you leave today, do you have any parting words for our listeners, especially the young women that might be wanting to get into space or maybe leave aerospace and get into space? Well, first of all, I think that they should leave aerospace and go into space because it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And uh, then the second one is that uh, we we need more sister uh, sisters into the space industry. I mean, um, 
I would tell them to, if they want to do this switch, to really go out there and see how many amazing women are doing this. And most of them can relate to them. They are coming from every different parts of the world. So if they think they will be the only one and they are scared, just look on the social, look at them, look at the list of people that Matt has put together, speak to them, reach out, and then just get your next step. You are not alone at all. I love that. And, and speaking of labels, I, you know, the first thing you said was move from aerospace and get into space. That's not something that I ever did. And part of the reason was, was because I didn't think I was cool enough. And I think quite <laughs> a few people shy away from moving from mainstream aerospace into space because they don't think they're cool enough. So bust that label mm -hmm. for us. Oh, yeah, that is true. It's true, um, which is strange. I think everything that has to do with not on-ground space, I mean, everything that has to do with technology is, is great. But I'm maybe biased here thinking that aerospace and space is the next step of humankind evolution. So if we all want to contribute to that next step of our evolutionary species, we should get a feel of what it looks like or what it's going to look like. And everybody from every, every industry can join us. So I think it's true. There isn't really a label. I don't think any in the future, um, there will be a label for aerospace, space or aviation. Everything is just going to be, you know, the next evolutionary technology for humankind. I hope that's going to happen so that we don't have to just box ourselves into an industry or the other one. We are all working together for making our life better on earth and beyond. So everybody's working for space. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. What a good answer. <laughs> well, Bianca, Matt, it's been a real pleasure, a real pleasure. And I can't wait for this podcast to go live. I, I just want to thank you for your vulnerability, your advice, just, just being you and showing up as you and inspiring women and men around the world with what you're doing, Bianca. Yes, thank you, Bianca. Thanks to you for this platform. Thank you for listening, everyone. We hope you now have additional tools and insights for creating your own cracks in the glass ceiling. If you think this will inspire and help others, please share this episode on your social media and leave your comments on makaiunlimited.com forward slash podcasts. For more tips and support as you embrace your journey through the glass ceiling, please join our community Facebook group at leadingladiesoffb.com.